Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get our Flames Talk postgame show underway right now. 5-4 in overtime. The Flames fall on the road in Vegas on the second half of a back-to-back. It's Pat Steinberg along with you as uh, we go immediately back to T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada and check in with Blake Coleman for some immediate postgame reaction. Blake, really appreciate the time. Uh, how, how do you feel about that one? Does that feel like a, a gutsy point earned despite the final score tonight? Yeah, yeah, I think... Um... You know, obviously back-to-back and two really tough buildings and two good teams. And, um, you know, I thought everyone fought hard tonight and gave gave what they had left in the tank, obviously, with the travel and um, altitude, things like that. We've been dealing with the last 48 hours. I thought it was a good, uh, good effort. Obviously, uh, you'd like to hold that lead and come away with two. But, uh, you know, look at the positive here and, and you know, we'll leave here with a point. Overall, Blake, when you talk about what was left in the tank, how uh, how much of a battle was it for the group tonight? I know you don't make excuses, but how much uh, how much of a fight was it tonight? No, I mean, no excuses. Obviously, you know, we we come into this game expecting to win and and uh, expecting to put a, put out a good effort, and um, you know, half is true. And I think you know, you could see the guys were were battling a little bit with uh, their legs and things like that. But you know, I thought it was a good, smart road game. Um, got some saves when we needed them, some timely goals, and then just, you know, we got to grow as a team and, and find ways to, to hold on to these third-period leads and, and even uh, build on them uh, would, be, would be the better scenario there. What was the uh, belief level like? Uh, William Carlson gives Vegas their first lead late. It's 4-3. What was the belief level after you pulled the goalie and, and went up six on five? Uh, does it feel like uh, was it still pretty positive on the bench? Well, obviously, you're not happy at that point. You're uh, frustrated giving up another another third-period lead and, and letting them take the lead. But, um, you know, obviously, to our group's credit, you know, we've proven time and time again this year that we're never out of a game in the third. And, um, obviously, it's a, a big-time goal to, to send it to overtime to get that point and uh, some, some good composure from the group that was on the ice. Final thought for you, Blake. Really appreciate the time. You, you get the day off tomorrow, and then you wrap this road trip Thursday in Minnesota. Kind of what's important between now and when you drop the puck on Thursday? Well, you just got to use your time the right way, obviously. Um, back to back, and we get the day here to, to recharge and recover. And um, you know, we're all pros here. We'll, we'll make sure we take care of ourselves, and um, we got plenty of time to to be full go and, and pick up. Uh, a really big two points to get back on the right foot here in Minnesota. Blake, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Good luck on Thursday night, hey? Yep, thanks guys. Appreciate it. That is Blake Coleman post-game in Vegas as the Flames fall 5-4 in overtime to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, on the bright side, Flames are now 1-0-2 uh, in their last three trips to T-Mobile Arena. On the not-so-bright side, they've lost three consecutive. They do pick up a, a gutsy point in this one tonight, but uh, I think you heard it in Blake Coleman's voice there. Uh, they had a third-period lead again, didn't hold it, and don't come away with two points. It's a second straight night on the road where the Flames led after 40 and uh, don't uh, pick up the win. Two games leading after 40, one of a possible four points and you can tell that's not sitting well with the group either. Okay, Flames Talk post game underway. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text 
line open at 960-960. It's Steinberg along with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills here on your Flames Talk postgame show. Your phone calls and texts coming up. We'll get more reaction from the Flames locker room and uh, head coach Ryan Huska as the evening goes along. Mick, how do you uh, how do you classify this one? You, you can understand Blake Coleman not being happy about losing the, the two points in regulation, which they felt they had a good chance to do. From the outside, the way they fought, second half of back-to-back, I thought it was a really gutsy performance that got them a point, but uh, you're uh, you're the former player. How would you <laughs> how would you be feeling after this one? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, coming into this game, and this is with my analyst hat on, I wasn't sure what kind of game we were going to get from the Calgary Flames. We talked about it, the, the travel, the back-to-back. Blake Coleman mentioned something that we didn't talk about, uh, which was the altitude going into Colorado. That's something that I have experienced, and that is not easy. So, like he said, dealing with a lot. But, you know, as a player, I think just really impressed with the resolve that they showed and the intensity that they played with despite the fatigue that you're dealing with uh, and all of the things uh, that come with playing back-to-back with travel. But just a really impressive effort, intensity, the way that they battled. Uh, And if you look at the game, you know, as a whole, they played a, a really solid game, a tight checking game, found ways to generate offense, got timely saves, um, as Blake Coleman mentioned. And, you know, there's just a few things in their game that they could have, you know, changed up, tidied up. Uh, and y- you look at those two penalties that Andrew Majapani took in the first period. I think that that hurt them uh, as well as the Mackenzie Weger penalty. Can't really fault him for that one. But uh, you look at just maybe staying out of the box a little bit more. That's something that's easy to tidy up and to clean up. Uh, but then another big one for me is just uh, your power play. And, you know, I know what it's like to be on a team where your power play is really struggling and just can't convert and when they can't get you that goal when you really need it and that would have been a key time in that third period when they could have for sure gotten one and they didn't so I think you know you walk away from this one as a player obviously disappointed because you know that you had the lead three times Um, and so I think the biggest takeaway uh, and again Blake mentioned it is just that you know, as a team and in terms of you talk about the process and growing and learning and getting better is they need to find a way to hang on to leads or, like he said, even better uh, to build on them. I hate to keep harping on special teams, but I've said it a number of times. If you're going to beat the best teams in the league, you're probably going to have to at least break even in the special teams battle, if not win it. So last night... They lost by one goal to the Avalanche. And they lost the special teams battle by one. Tonight they lose by one goal in overtime to the Golden Knights. And they lose the special teams battle by two. So that's one area where they're going to have to be better moving forward. But truth be told, I was worried the Flames were going to get blown out tonight. That that was a tough turnaround. And we were talking about it on our way in. Uh, and I didn't really even factor in the altitude, and, and that is a factor. Trust yeah. me. Uh, I know just working out uh, in Denver is, is harder than it is in Calgary, and 
uh, Calgary has the second highest altitude in the NHL. So yeah. that says something. But, you know, that was a game that must have been exhausting for the Flames last night. And then you've got a 45-minute bus ride from the arena to the airport. And then you've got a flight from Denver to Las Vegas. And uh, tight turnaround. Uh, you're playing against the last two Stanley Cup champions, the Avalanche back in 2022 and the Golden Knights in 2023. And you're playing without your best defensive defenseman in Chris Tanev. And... I thought the guys really gutted it out tonight. I'm sure fatigue was a factor, maybe more mentally than physically, especially with all the games they've had to chase in and, and the fact that they've been chasing the season since starting 2-7-1. and one. But the guys battled their butts off tonight, and they deserved to pick up at least a point, and at least they got something out of this game because they didn't get anything out of last night's game. And there was a lot to like from the Flames tonight. Uh, unfortunately, it's a results-based business, especially for a team that's put themselves behind the eight ball with their start to the season. And the Flames, again, didn't get the right result tonight. So uh, now you have to turn the page, move on to Minnesota. If you can beat the Wild on Thursday, you come home 500, and at least uh, at least you've got three you're out no of the possible six points. And you're no further yeah. behind the eight ball. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this next guy, and uh, I, I confirmed while you were talking that this is the way that uh, Mick was going to go. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. I, I want to – I mean, this guy deserves a, a lot of accolades for the way that he's uh, come along and uh, the hardest working flame tonight would be who, Mick? Yegor Sharangovich, hands down. And I think something I probably always talk about when I have to pick the hardest working flame is the appreciation that I have for players that can play a complete balanced game that contribute offensively, but also play really solid defensively. I don't have a lot of patience uh, for <laughs> players that put up big numbers and then don't play well defensively. It's not a big fan of it. Uh, but this guy, I mean, he played well offensively. But then I think about, you know, there was one situation where because he's always that high F3 in the offensive zone, he was he played the rush as a defenseman and and he played it really well. So um, you know, and it's not just that example, but just played a, a complete game and has just really started to find his stride. He looks so comfortable and confident out there. Finally, sneaky, sneaky shot, nice high tip. Uh, and is now the leading scorer for the Flames. So, Yegor Sharangovich, hardest-working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska here very shortly on our Flames Talk postgame show. But, Wilsey, um, there's been a lot of talk. It's funny because the Flames just played the New Jersey Devils on Saturday. We saw Tyler Toffoli, who was a part of the Sharangovich trade through here, Devils win that game, of course, but Yegor Sharangovich, as Mick just mentioned, now leads the Flames with nine goals on the season, and boy, this is the, the Sharangovich that Craig Conroy was talking about. I remember talking to Conroy when the Flames made that trade. We were on the draft floor in, in Nashville the day before the draft, and I remember him talking about even strength points, and I remember him talking about his 200-foot game and how they feel a little bit of a higher role, bigger role for him. They feel they can unlock it. Maybe we didn't see it in the month of October, but 
but the last month and a half, last six weeks or so, Wilsey, we're really starting to see Yegor Sharangovich come into his own. Yeah, and I don't know what direction the Flames are going to go in here, but they had uh, a pending unrestricted free agent uh, in Tyler Toffoli, and they were so far apart on an extension that they decided to, to move him to the Devils. And if the Flames go in that direction with some of their other pending UFAs, I think that's the type of deal they need to make. So they bring in a younger player in Yegor Sharangovich who might not be Tyler Toffoli today, but a year or two or three from now, mm-hmm. I think there's a pretty good chance that Sharangovich is a more impactful NHLer than Toffoli is, especially with the way the two guys skate. And that's not a knock on Toffoli. He's just at a different stage in his career. But you bring in a young player in Sharangovich and a third-round pick. We'll see where that goes. And, and – that's looking like a good deal for both teams right now. The Devils are a Stanley Cup contender. They add a, a goal scorer into Foley. Uh, the Flames don't look like a Stanley Cup contender, but you add a guy who can help you now and who can help you down the road. And Pat, I thought in the month of October, he looked like a player who was trying to figure out who he was and how to play and where he fit in with this team. And... The stats tell that story. He had two goals and five points in the first 16 games, but he's looked so much more comfortable uh, since the second or third week of November, I would say, maybe even uh, going back a little bit further than that. He now has seven goals and 11 points in his last 13 games. And for me, it it goes beyond the goals, assists, and points with Yegor Sharangovich because he's a really solid 200-foot foot player. Mm-hmm. He's good with the puck. He's good without the puck. He's really helped the Flames uh, look more dangerous, if not uh, if not more effective on the power play. I'm trying to figure out the right words to describe <laughs> their power play. It's hard these days, but you know, he's helped with zone entries. He's helped with that shot threat, and, and he's looking like a guy who's uh, way more comfortable, way more confident, and who's only going to get better. So yeah, he had a heck of a hockey game tonight, and uh, hard to argue with that hardest-working flame for sure. Um, okay, so the Flames fall 5-4 in overtime. Before we get some final thoughts, uh, our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. No Chris Tanev, and uh, second straight game, essentially, the Flames have played without Tanev, but uh, this time at least they could ice six defensemen, Wilsey. They bring in both Osterley and D. Simone, who got recalled. Solovyov out, and Tanev, obviously, didn't play um you know Osterley makes the the rough play on the game or the go-ahead goal for Vegas that uh led to the 4-3 goal uh but overall Osterley D. Simone come in how do we think the defense fared without Tanev playing tonight I thought they were pretty good as a group uh they made some mistakes but the Golden Knights are really good at forcing you to make mistakes and you knew they were going to have a push down one nothing. 2-1 and 3-2, they certainly did. And uh, I do think fatigue was probably a factor for the Flames. Uh, Even on that 4-3 goal, you look at Mackenzie Wieger behind the net. uh, If he's got a little bit more gas in his tank, uh, maybe he makes a better play. And then he was trying to catch up to Mark Stone on the overtime winner as well and uh, probably didn't have as much uh, jump in his step as he would have if it wasn't the second half of a tough back-to-back. But... All in all, uh, those guys battled again. I thought they were better in this game than they were in last night's game, and that says something with it being the second half of a back-to-back and having played uh, against the last two Stanley Cup champions the last two nights. Yeah, I would agree with you, Wilsey, in that the group 
as a whole did a nice job of stepping up and playing really well and really solid against a really tough team in the Vegas Golden Knights and talked about on the pregame show a little bit and oftentimes when you lose one of your top defenders or one of your top players and other guys try to step up and, and try to do too much and I don't think anyone on the back end did that. I think that they stepped up their own games in a way that they didn't get outside of the way that they needed to play individually. They didn't try to do too much. So I think as a group, uh, they did a nice job. I do think that, and I'm I'm just a real stickler for defense. Um, I had zero patience with myself in terms of <laughs> uh, making mistakes in terms of turnovers um, or letting players get in behind me. So I think that, you know, when it comes to analysis, I, I have little patience <laughs> for it as well. Uh, to be fair, but you know, hockey, you're never going to play a perfect hockey game. And given the circumstances, uh, I think the group did a really nice job. And I, I do wonder how these two games would have gone had Chris Tan have been available. Right. Because when you're trying to protect uh, a lead in the third period, who are you going to lean on? Number eight. When you're trying to kill a penalty, yeah. who are you going to lean on? Tan Ev. Uh, we'll never know, but uh, I'm guessing they probably would have at least one more point, if not two or three, uh, had he been available the last couple of games. But uh, injuries happen, and you've got to find a way to battle through them and get the job done without uh, your top guys sometimes. So Flames uh, 0-1-1 and through the first uh, two games of this three-game road trip that wraps up Thursday in Minnesota. This is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson, my name is Pat Steinberg. Let's get some uh, final thoughts from you two prior to Thursday's game in Minnesota, starting with Mick. Yeah, I think you you take the point and you turn the page again. A lot to like five on five in the way that they played. Uh, some really promising performances from you know guys like Yegor Sharangovich. I thought Dennis Gilbert uh, had another solid game as well. Uh, but specialty teams, that's something that they're going to need to figure out, have to find a way to stay out of the box and really need to get that power play going um, if they're going to get themselves in a, a better position in the standings here. I mean, two hard-fought hockey games against two of the top teams in the league, legitimate Stanley Cup contenders in the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, and you know, two one-goal losses, and unfortunately for the Flames, they only pick up uh, one of a possible four points. Uh, could have been two, three, or four. Yeah. And I think what probably leaves uh, a sour taste in my mouth is the fact that they had third-period leads mm -hmm. last night and tonight, and they had a two-goal third-period lead last night and let that slip away. A bad span of four minutes and ten seconds cost them that hockey game against the Avalanche. And, you know, tonight's collapse wasn't uh, that epic. Uh, I mean, the Golden Knights are a good team and down by a goal, you know they're going to push and they've got players who can make you pay if you make a mistake and, and that's exactly what happened but at least the Flames get a point out of this game. Individually, some really strong performances. Really like them at 5-on-5. Five five. If uh, they aren't in the box four times and don't give up two power play goals, they probably win this hockey game but, you know, they're a team that needs to start stringing some wins together uh, and it really doesn't matter who they have and who they don't have or who they're playing. They've just got to start picking up two points way more often than not. So uh, take the one you get from tonight. Enjoy your day off. Uh, make sure you get a little R&R &R in Minneapolis tomorrow. And then find a way to pick up two points against uh, the Wild on Thursday night. Come home with three out of six. Feeling pretty good about yourself. And 
Uh, try to win some games before the Christmas break and put yourself in a better spot than the one you're currently in here. Thank you, friends. Talk to you on Thursday. Good Thanks, night, Pat. Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills uh, wrapping up on this Tuesday night following a 5-4 overtime loss on the road against the Vegas Golden Knights. Our Flames Talk postgame show is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Call now, 403-240-4444, or text now, 960-960. Our Flames Talk postgame show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. More when we come back. Flames fall 5-4 in overtime, and this is uh, your Flames Talk postgame show. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, your final score from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Flames fall 5-4 in overtime. A tough one this evening for the Flames. Just, uh, again, not able to hold a third-period lead. That's two nights in a row where they lead after 40 minutes of play against two really good teams and not able to lock it down. Now, I actually come away far more impressed with the way they played tonight compared to what we saw against the Avalanche. This was a pretty gutsy point for the Flames. They fought hard. That was a gutsy road game, and they did a lot of good things. But as you heard uh, Blake Coleman to kick off our Flames Talk postgame show, it's not going to necessarily mitigate the sting of letting this one slip away the way that it did, right? And so difficult and uh, not exactly the way the Flames were looking to draw it up. And uh, they end up losing this game 5-4. Mark Stone leads the way with two goals and four points on this uh, on this Tuesday night. So uh, I, I thought there were some really good performances. Thought another really solid game, for instance, from Nazem Kadri. Thought uh, he played really well. And I, I think we just got to reset a little bit on Yegor Sharangovich. Now leads the team with nine goals. So he's up to, Sharon Govich is up to nine goals in 29 games. This was uh, the 29th game of the season. And so just going to quickly do the math. Uh, so that puts him on pace for 20 goals. Um, now, uh, the, the the tough thing is, is the Flames' leading scorer is on pace for 20 goals this year, um, which is, you know, not exactly where you want it to be. But for a guy like Sharon Govich, who um, took a little bit of time to get his legs, took a little bit of time to get comfortable in Calgary, to see him really starting to settle in, become more of an offensive impact maker. We know the type of player he is in the 200-foot game. I don't know. I think it maybe starts to change some opinions or make people feel a little bit better about the Tyler Toffoli trade, which, of course, uh, was made in the summertime and brought Sharon Govich the other way. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I get it. I, uh, I, I get why some didn't like the Toffoli trade, I've, I've always been one that's pushed back on it a little bit. I haven't had a problem with the Toffoli trade since it was made, but now the way that Sharon Govich is playing, I think maybe it uh, could change some opinions a little bit as well. And they got the third-round pick out of it uh, in this one as well, rather in that trade going back to June. Um, overall, Gutsy win, thought the Kadri line was out of control. Good to see Kadri, Zeri, and Pospisil back together. Take a look at these numbers from the Kadri line. 
they were a 77.8% possession tie, possession line rather. Five on five shot attempts with them on the ice, 21 to six. Uh, high danger scoring chances with them on the ice, five nothing, and they did that all with a 50% zone start. That is a ridiculously strong night from the Kadri line. Kadri, Pospisil, Zeri reunited after they didn't play together last night in Colorado. Uh, they play together tonight, and they were very, very strong. So that is a line that I think you're going to see together. That was the only line that I really came away with, impressed with consistently tonight. Um, you know, I thought the Backland line had some decent stretches. I thought the, the Lindholm line really struggled in this one tonight. Uh, the fourth line was kind of hit or miss, but all night you had Kadri, Pospisil, Zeri playing some really good hockey, and uh, that is definitely a positive. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. His team picks up uh, one point in a 5-4 overtime loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, let's hear from the head coach of the Calgary Flames postgame from Vegas right now. I thought we worked, like, in this situation coming off a uh you know, a tougher game last night where we gave up three in the third period. Uh, I, I thought we were competitive all night tonight. The, for me, the difference, of course, when you look at it at the end of the day is special teams. Like they scored two on, on their opportunities and we weren't able to generate anything. But I, I'm, I'm not faulting or, or not unhappy with the way we competed or worked tonight. How do you balance that then with the, the work and obviously the result? Uh, you know, there's some disappointment in there, but but the work and the, and the effort. There. Yeah, there should be disappointed. I mean, you're, you're playing to win, um, but you can't lose sight of the fact that um, pretty much to a man, they came to play tonight and they stayed with it. Even, you know, it doesn't look very good. They stay with it right to the very end, right? Uh, found a way to tie it up and at least get a point out of this. I mean, what can you say about Yegor? He comes up with two big goals, obviously the tying one, but um, you know what he's given your group here as of late? He's kind of finding his game, I think. You know, players come over in a trade. It takes them a little while to adjust to new settings, new teammates, the way we operate and do things around here. Um, and he's got a good skill set. So I, I think he's starting to feel comfortable with who he is in our team. It seems like the shot, obviously, uh, it's been kind of a weapon for him here as of late, too. Or, yeah. you, you know, seeing him kind of being able to use that to his advantage as yeah. much as possible. For sure. And we just like to see him keep using it. I thought his game was fine. He made some, some saves at, at some times for us. Um, you know, I know he'd probably like to have one or two of them back, but I, I thought he was, he gave us a good game tonight for sure. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska postgame following a 5-4 overtime loss in Vegas. You just heard him uh, talk, him being Ryan Huska, talk about Dustin Wolf, who got the start in net tonight. And it is time for the save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. And uh, Dustin's save of the game comes in period number three. Here comes Lindholm across his blue line to the red line. And now into Golden Knights territory. He leaves it right wing side for Huberto. That's his pocket pick by Carlson. Here comes Eichel the other way. He gets by Sharon Govich. Speeds in. Deeks shoots. And is stopped by Wolf. His biggest save of the game. Dustin Wolf stopping Jack Eichel on a shorthanded breakaway. 
So, Dustin Wolf, who was very strong tonight, uh, despite the fact they lose in overtime, that's one of his 35 stops this evening, uh, made 35 on 40 tonight, and that is Dustin's save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought Dustin battled. Thought he made some big stops. And honestly, again, stone goal, breakaway. Carlson goal off a really bad giveaway. Stone goal, gorgeous uh, uh, power play marker. Barbashev, Stevenson. I, I just, I didn't think that, um, I didn't think it was a, you know, incredible night from Dustin Wolf. But he looked like an NHL goaltender again, gave his team a chance to win. And, uh, yeah, that is a decent night for Dustin Wolf. We'll see how many more starts he gets before Jacob Markstrom comes back. We'll see if uh, Jacob Markstrom gets the start. Uh, sorry, we'll see if uh, Dustin Wolf gets the start Thursday against Minnesota. Jacob Markstrom, I don't think, is ready to return for Thursday's game in Minnesota, but we'll see. Um, could be more of a possibility towards the weekend when the Flames return home. Let's get uh, to the text line for the first time tonight at 960. 960. Uh, this from Doug, working the late shift in Banff, that's where we'll kick it off. Says, Pat, love the show. Can't complain with the work ethic on this trip. Just shows the difference between the elite teams and the good teams. I wish the Flames could finish off teams when they're playing at home, like uh, what we've seen the last two nights. Wolf looked great tonight, and I'm very optimistic about the future for him. I still can't figure out how a team like Vegas can stay under the cap. That comes from Doug. And, yeah, again, I, I just think um, – I thought Dustin Wolf was just fine. Uh, again, was he? Did he? Did he? Was he the reason why they lost this game? By no means. Thought he gave him a chance to win. Made some big stops when he needed to. And I just think he continues to look like an NHL goaltender, and continues to look like one of the top prospects in the Flames organization. And I also think the more that he plays in the NHL the more comfortable he's going to be at this level, which is also something that is super positive. Uh, this says from George and Creston, uh, how are things in Cowtown? Not so good for Flames fans. How can Huberto be so bad? He is the worst contract in NHL history. He gives the puck away more than any other player. I don't care how much money he makes. He should be benched, and they should give the young guys a chance. The young guys are amazing, and they need to trade the players who don't want to be here sooner rather than later. Three blown leads. Sick of this. Thanks for listening. Um, this says, Wolf is so fast. Hopefully part of the selling includes one of the other two goalies. Too bad Tre Living liked the bridge so much. For that, they got an overpaid Manjapani and a Kachuk for Huberdeau trade. Wow, is Huberdeau bad. Reminds me of James Neal. Hopefully they can sign someone to get him going. Then they can trade him like San Jose did with Carlson. Pipe dream, I know. Seems like they'll always have a millstone. Uh, this from Jay. Good effort from the Flames tonight. The power plays terrible. The bringing in of Savard is an experiment that needs to end. Uh, this says from Greg in Edmonton. Uh, Pat, at the very least, these games have been entertaining. If the coaching staff could get even just league average power play production, this team would be in a much better spot. The power play zone entries are really hard to watch. 
Uh, Dylan in Revelstoke says, in hindsight, that Eichel Kachuk trade would have been pretty damn good, eh? Coleman's starting to get that get me the F out of here voice, talking about our interview with Blake Coleman. I didn't read it as that as much as I think he was enter- uh, I think he was disappointed by the way the game went. And I also wonder how much he was smarting with that puck he took off the forearm in the third period that looked like it was extremely painful as well. So I, I didn't get that same read from Blake Coleman. This from Corey. Seems the Flames are unlikely to make the playoffs again this season. Do you think playing on a team with a sub-500 record is bad for rookie development? Also, Huberto seems like he's back to being a dud. Not sure that's good role modeling. I I don't have a problem with them being sub-500 and playing rookies. That's, uh, I don't know. I I think that's a lot of of times that's when you see... um, rookies get their opportunity. I think it's good development for these guys. And at this point, especially for a guy like Zary or a guy like Wolf, who have got plenty of pro games under their belt already, the more NHL games, the better would be uh, my feel on that, Corey. Uh, this says, Huberto's playing worse than the call-ups and has three assists in his last 11 games. He's a team worse, minus 13. Lindholm, despite being in a contract year, has disappeared with two goals and no assists in his last nine games. When are you guys going to stop making excuses for this disaster of a $15 million cap hit? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what to say on the Lindholm front anymore. I... I I, I think if you're the Flames with the way things are going with Lindholm, you're kind of in a situation where you might be better off trading him sooner rather than later because Lindholm is is far too inconsistent with his efforts. He is way up or way down. His ups have nowhere near been enough. And you just wonder if – and I'm not saying he's checked out because I don't know – but I do wonder if the uncertainty about his future and not having a contract for next year and the high likelihood of a trade, all those types of things, I wonder if it is affecting what we're seeing from Elias Lindholm right now in a big way, which makes me wonder if making a trade sooner rather than later is the way to go. As for Huberto, I thought there were some real good signs of him trending in a better direction, but over the last five or six games, it's it's taken a big step back, and uh, there's some real real regression in what we've seen even from the, over the last few weeks. Huberto, no points in just over 16 minutes tonight. And he's on pace for, like, I don't, I don't know. I know this is a low-scoring team, but we're talking about a guy who's got 15 points in 29 games. He's on pace for, like, 40 points right now. Uh, over an 82-game pace, he's on pace for 42 points. He had 56 or whatever last year, and that was the biggest season-over-season season drop in NHL history, and now he's on pace for 42. Yeah, I, I don't know what to – I mean – I think there are lots of reasons as to why this could be happening with Huberto, but at some point, at some point, you're just kind of saying maybe it's just never going to hit the stride that you're looking for um, over an 82-game season and and the stride that you're looking for on a $10.5 million contract. Um, this says from Ash... 
with the exception of the brutal power play giveaway, I thought Huberdeau was snake bit tonight as he easily could have had multiple points if his line mates displayed better finish with his passes. Also, Mangiapane's inconsistency continues to frustrate me. I think it's time to reunite him with Backlund and Coleman, even if it means moving Huberdeau to another line since Huberdeau isn't producing anyways. Yeah, I don't know what to do on the, the Manchapani front, Ash. I really don't. I mean, he scores that goal last night, breaks the uh, snaps, the long goalless drought, and then takes two really bad penalties in the first period. One of them results in a Vegas goal. I don't know at this point what you do with uh, what you do with Andrew Manchapani as well, because you need more from him. There are Right now, you're getting great work from Sharon Govich, and he has really found his stride. And Nazem Kadri's been the best player on the team since the beginning of November, and, and he's pulling his weight. But, I mean, really, Blake Coleman's having a great season. But really, from an offensive standpoint, especially when talking about your forwards, there are still way too many guys who are not pulling their offensive weight. You know, I, I think... Huberto is the guy that you point to first and foremost. Andrew Mangiapane, I think you need more from him. Michael Backlund has has been great in the 200-foot game, but you're probably looking for a little bit more from him on the offensive side of things. Dylan Dubé has seven points in 27 games after uh, an 18-goal, 45-point season last year. Yeah, and, and, and one guy that you also have to point out from a positive standpoint is Zeri, who picked up another point tonight. So Kadri, Zeri, Coleman, Sharon Govich, I think they're pulling their offensive weight, but that's still not enough on a team that isn't going to be drug along by one or two players. It has to be a by-committee thing. It has to be a some-of-the-parts thing. And right now, we're just not seeing that enough, at least as of right now. Okay, that's the text line for now at 960-960. Let's get to the phone lines at 403-240-4444 as the Flames fall 5-4 in overtime to the Vegas Golden Knights. Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, kicking us off on the phone lines tonight is Al. What's going on, Al? Hi, Pat. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Yeah, uh, I remember thinking of Harry Neal tonight. He said the game's 90% psychological and the rest of it's just mental. That's that's about the size of it. But I I, uh, I say that to say that I, I, I see the Flames, uh, you know, all in all, they're, I think they're a fairly tight-knit group. And, uh, and and they got enough talent. They got enough depth in that team. I still think that they they can make the playoffs. And uh, and and they're a fairly entertaining team as well. And that, that's kind of the the bottom line uh, with everything is you got to entertain the folks because Calgary's not a market where we can hit uh, skids for five six years and miss the playoffs. And that's that's what happens if you get get too goofy. Uh, one player I'm uh, kind of get your thoughts about. He's a little bit of a mystery to me. You can kind of, you can kind of get a read on most of the players, but Rizika is one I can't can't yeah. get a read on him at all. You and the Flames both. Um, oh. I think they're very much in a similar situation. There's there's a lot there's a lot to like about mm-hmm. the um, kind of the, the, all of the things. Like there's a lot to like about what's in yeah. that toolbox. Oh yeah, exactly. but but just it, it feels like. 
you don't see them you don't see them using what's in the toolbox anywhere near enough you know yeah i just i just wondered if it wasn't his agent or something like that or something something odd going on i mean i don't know maybe that's just the way he is or whatever but it, it just seems like he's He's kind of into the game, but he isn't into the game when I watch him. You know, that's been the but that's been on the the book and knock on him going back to his junior career, Al. Oh, like, okay. It's it's, okay. it's kind of okay. always. I didn't know been... anything about. It. I wanted to get your feedback yeah. on him, so that's good to hear. And Huber, though, um, if I was a coach here, I'd probably tell him, uh, Hubie, uh, remember when you played Pee Wee? You go out there and play like you're playing in Pee Wee. The way you played and the way you thought in Pee Wee as well, and just and just let him go, like. Twice tonight, he went and shot the puck at the net, and it just—it it just wasn't him. You know, he—he he was. I think, he, I think they told him if you're not sure what to do, throw the puck at the net. And there's twice he did it there, and I thought he just threw the puck away. And because he—he's a talent, and I—I I feel confident that he's. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it might not be what we expect. We paid 10.5 million for him, or whatever he gets. You know, I don't—I don't see that getting that money out of him for that. But but I can see. Seven, eight million at the end of the day. Uh, you know, he's gonna, he's, I still think he's an elite player, and I think he will come around. I think the adjustment to the team is, and the players is it just. I think that's the biggest thing. He's a he's a setup guy, and he and he's you know he's not used to the players that are around him now. Whereas in Florida, because he played at a high level for ten years there. You know? Yeah, and I mean, Al, I mean, I, I the your the positivity is is great, and and. Um, you hope that yeah. that ends up being that that ends up being accurate, yeah. but I mean, he fifty six points and he's on pace for forty two points right now. Uh, they they and and he's also over thirty years old. Like I, I think the the concern about what yeah, Jonathan Huberto is going to be yeah. the remainder of his contract is is legit. Like it's you're it's you're you're not off base if you're concerned about where this thing's going. Yeah, well, I, I I still feel positive about him, even the way cause I've thought about his age and everything. But the way he plays the game and the type of game he plays, usually those kind of players can play a little later than uh, kind of the the real fast guys that got the big shot. Uh, he, he's more of a cerebral player, and 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 they tend to last a little longer. So, I I think they'll be okay with him being. You know, he's going to be 38 when his contract ends, or 37 or something like that. And I think he'd be playing a, a pretty decent level even then. I really do. But I feel good. I mean, even the Flames. I think I like Conroy and Ginla on there, and their their trades. Both of them have been good so far. The other thing I really liked is that they they signed this uh, Pestrick or Pestrick or where is Mark Pestrick? And I thought, Pestic, why would Mark they do Pestic. that? And I, I I just thinking Conroy thinking if my team makes the playoffs, I want to have some depth on defense, and so they pick this guy up. And but I don't think he's. You know, I'm trying to figure out what he's going to be doing here, and I, I think he really does want to make the playoffs. But he's going to do what's best for the team, and I see that, you know, going younger, move, moving a little younger. But saying that, he, I, I don't think he's throwing in a towel on the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do, and Al, I appreciate the call tonight. Hey, you have yourself yeah. a great night. Thank you yeah. for the call. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that we'll be finding out here, and then, and, well, in the next few months, we'll decide, kind of, or not, we'll not we'll decide, we'll learn what Conroy is going to decide when it comes to the direction he wants to take the team based on a if he moves on from the pending unrestricted free agents which I think he will uh, on on multiple of the three remaining and B 
what type of trades he makes for those pending unrestricted free agents. I think we already got kind of a glimpse on the Zadorov trade, where Zadorov got dealt to Vancouver for two draft picks. But we have to see how it goes with Hannafin, with Lindholm, and with Tanev here between now and the trade deadline. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Flames fall 5-4 in overtime tonight in Vegas. This is your Flames Talk post-game show with George up next. What's up, George? Not much, Patty, my man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Good to hear, buddy. So on one hand, I hate to see them lose a second consecutive game with a third period lead. But on the other, and I said it last night, I honestly thought they were going to get absolutely smoked by Vegas tonight. They just, they look lethargic, listless in the third period tonight. So I will give them credit where credit's due. They actually put up a really good fight throughout the whole game, uh, knowing the circumstances. So sucks to see them lose the way they lost. But, you know, from the other hand, it's I was, I was mildly impressed by the fact that they didn't get absolutely smoked tonight. So I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, they battled tonight. I mean, there, there's no – you got no qualms about work ethic or battle level tonight. Even, you know, even guys that are, are taking some uh, criticism tonight. Like, I thought I thought Huberdeau was much better tonight than he was last night. Again, no points, and, and you're still looking for more overall from him. But I thought he was better than he was last night tonight. And, you know, so I, I thought Kadri was great again. Um I thought that the Zeri and Pospisil had a really good night with Kadri. There, there were there were things to like, and and you definitely don't fault the effort. You don't fault the battle level, and and they fought right till the end. They lose it in overtime, and they could be. We could be talking about them with better third periods. We could be talking about them in you know having four points here on this trip they've got one which is frustrating but the very least you 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 like the battle level on the second half a tough back-to-back tonight yeah and i'll be honest to go back even further than that i have never once faulted this team's effort especially from november and on october I mean, they had a couple one couple games which were inexcusable, and I'm not talking about just about the result. In October, in October, they just looked like they looked like a really really bad team. But from November on, like one thing, I won't you know fault the effort of this team. But the bottom line is, it's unfortunate they just don't have, in my opinion, they don't have the team, they don't have the players, they don't have the overall chemistry, and that's why they have the record that they have. And it's it's a sad fact of reality right now. And, you know, this it's very likely we're going to see this team go in a direction where they're going to have to offload the three UFAs for multiple reasons. But uh, effort's not one like, like even tonight, you know, even last night. Like, effort's not one thing I can fault them for. But unfortunately, when you're playing teams like a Vegas, you know, an elite team like a Colorado, effort's not enough. You saw in both instances – where last night where it was the star players, the elite players from Colorado that took that game over and won them the game, happened again tonight. And therein is the problem that lies with Calgary and why a lot of, you know, a lot of fans do clamor for rebuild because, you know, again, we've said it over and over, but, you know, the the easiest way most likely to get those players is to draft them. So it's it's a conundrum for sure, but... You know, like, I won't ever fault them on effort. You know, if, if they weren't putting in the effort and they were just whatever, like, mailing it in, you know, I'd be pissed every night and you'd, you'd have me yelling and screaming every night. But this team is what it is at this point, you know? 
Yeah, um, and and I, I think that, it, at least for me, I don't know if this is how um, management looks at it, but at least for me, I, I think the more that we watch them be kind of this inconsistent group, they're not horrible, but they're also um, not great. The more that that happens and the more that we see that into the month of uh, as December goes on and into the month of January, I think it becomes more and more clear uh, for Craig Conroy and management, you know, what they need to do with this opportunity. Um, and that's, that's the best word I'd use with the opportunity that they've got in front of them with these unrestricted free agents. Like, you don't get opportunities to cash in on names like this very often while also staring a pivot point that makes sense to so many right in the face. And so taking advantage of that opportunity, at least in many minds, and, and right now mine included, it, it just it, it seems like a, a very obvious pivot point to make. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and and to Robert's point, he said it uh, last night. You know, I, I can see why a lot of people, including myself, have this kind of uh, anxiety about, will they actually pull the trigger and, and do this? Like, you know, uh, because it's historically the Flames haven't or have been very um, hesitant to do something like that. And even when they did, they had that fluke year, and then they kind of cut off the rebuild and then <laughs> – yeah. You know, back, back to the drawing board again. So, I understand. I understand the consternation amongst the fan base that wants that. But you're you're absolutely right. Therein lies the problem: is they have this opportunity, and it's a perfect term to use is the opportunity to do that. So, we'll see. I mean, the correct answer is yes, they should. But will they? Um, final question for you here, my friend, and I'll let you go. But um, thoughts slash question. But I thought. Tonight was Jaeger Serigovic's best game as a flame so far. And in my opinion, anyway, lately here, he's been on a roll. So what do you agree with that? What have you thought of him here lately? Well, I mean, we, we spent a good chunk of the, the post-game show earlier talking about him. He's been really good um, yeah. and, and has been really good since, really, since the beginning of November. It took, uh, it took a little bit of time for him to settle in. Um, and, and he's always been strong defensively, but now more and more comfort, more and more um, just a, a little bit more of a, a settled feeling, I think. And now he's starting to show what he's all about everywhere. Uh, so I, I think he's been slowly settling in for the last six weeks or so. And, yeah, over the last few weeks, he's been one of their best players. He leads the team with nine goals. I, I, I don't know if this is his best game. But it was a good game for him. He's been he's been really good for him for the last little bit. He has been, and you hope it continues because you know going forward he's going to be, uh, you know, part of this youth movement, part of the group, and uh, you know you you only hope he can be uh, one of the players. Hopefully, part of leading the charge down the road. It's not inconceivable. Um, you know, uh, the thing I appreciate about him most is his two way game and his his two hundred foot game. That's something I didn't know much about from him coming from New Jersey. I knew about the shot. I knew about the sniping ability. But the 200-foot game has really impressed me, especially for such a young player. So uh, good things to see. Just, uh, you know, of, of, of the plethora of negatives this year, he's, he's been, especially like you said, the last six weeks, he's been a positive. So I hope it continues in that direction. For sure.
All right, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me on. Hope you have a great night, buddy, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, George. Take care, buddy. You too, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 5-4 overtime win in Vegas. Let's say hello to Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Pat. Good to talk to you. You How you doing? I'm good. Glad to hear it, buddy. I just saw on your Instagram thing it said 1984. I'm 1983, so I'm older than you, and I don't like that. Yes, you are then older. Sorry. Damn, I thought you were older. Uh, It's all right. Uh, I just wanted to mention in honor of Yegor that uh, with Solovyov and Yegor, that's the first time on an NHL team that two Belarusians have been on the roster. What's that? The deep dive there. With Solovyov and Yegor Sharangovich, that's the first time two players from Belarus have been on the same team. That's not correct. That is not correct. Are you no. sure? I did a deep dive. Uh, all Belarusian NHL players. Andre and Sergei Kostitsin, uh played together on the same team. Damn. That, uh, sorry, hockeyreference.com let me down. Okay, well, it's still rare. It is definitely rare, but that is not okay. the first time. Sorry. I don't take joy. I don't take joy in this. It's just... I, I knew for a fact I, that wasn't the case. You know, I, I, it's just my journalism degree. It always, sometimes I question whether or not I chose the right major, and I, it's just proven all the more accurate now that I did. Oh, well. I wanted to say, like, it, it can be numbing if you look at the schedule in the recent. I mean, we had Dallas twice, Vegas twice, Jersey, Colorado twice. Like, ouch, Carolina. But they played great. And then poop in Minnesota, no excuses. But then if you look at January, Nashville, Philadelphia, Chicago twice, Ottawa, Arizona, St. Louis, Columbus. There's nothing there. It's like, it's all a bunch of like flames-ish or significantly less. So I think if they don't play down to the competition, there's every reason to be optimistic. Yeah, but and isn't as that you kind of what the they've players, done? Isn't that kind of what they do? They have. That's why I mentioned that as a disclaimer, that hopefully they do not do that because they always do play well against the best. Um, but hopefully uh, Blake and other players who give a poop and uh, keep things focused and Yegor keeps shooting the puck. Like I sent you a message in October saying, like, make Yegor feel comfortable. He looks uncomfortable. He looks a little shy. And as you've been saying, he's uh, now he feels comfortable. And he's doing well. I mean, it really looks like the only guy, aside from Coronado, that can really shoot the puck accurately and quickly. And then you were listing players earlier on the roster that were playing well, notably Kadri. Sorry. People that are not on the unrestricted free agents. I thought the only player you didn't mention was Noah Hansen. I was just talking about. Awesome. I was just talking about forwards. Well, you did mention Uyghur. No, I did so. not. Swear to God, you started I with Uyghur. I did Uyghurs. not mention Uyghur's name. Uh, okay, all right. Well, we have the podcast, which is very good, and everyone should listen to it. Amazon, Apple, Spotify. <laughs> um, there's the journalism yeah, degree. Think, they could take my job easy. Uh, it's the marketing, yeah. Um, it, it is a great production, and the fact that you're going to edit out all the things like for the coach interview, that's, that's just really above and beyond what you have to do. Good job, guys. Um, yeah, I just think the schedule has been really painful. Even looking at the little NHL calendar and looking at all the logos, it's like yikes. This is, um, and that's and that's why we said, um, kind of coming into that homestand, 
you looked at it and said, even even a little bit before that, when they played Dallas and Colorado there, you said, okay, buckle up. This 15 games between then and Christmas is going to be really telling. And, and they're right it's smack 15. down in the teeth of it now. And then, like, the 4-3 loss to Dallas, and none of the games are really bad except for that Minnesota game. Like, think of, I mean, when they lost to Jersey 4-2, but that game was a lot closer than that. I mean, they, they haven't been – they haven't been – bad necessarily in a lot of the games. I mean, you would have liked to see them uh, close out the win last night because they had a two-goal lead in the third. Yeah. yeah. That, that uh, this hurt. one, you would have liked to see them get rewarded for, but they fought hard in this one. But they, they haven't necessarily been like awful in any games, but the problem is that they're a group that even when they play well, going up against some pretty talented teams in this league, they, they're not always going to win. So, that kind of is. That's why we said this is going to be a really interesting stretch for him. It, it just seemed like the possession was there tonight, and it wasn't against Colorado, like in the towards the end of the game. But I just felt like Vegas was going to like steal the puck and just go score goal like instantly, and they have that potential. It just suddenly there's a goal you didn't see coming. All the Flames have to like grind it out, and that's sure enough what happened. I damaged my treadmill. I was on it. Punched the uh, my hands okay though. Uh, but and then Jaeger scored, and I was like, "Ah, oh, my poor hand!" And then they scored again, and wow, oh, I was more mature. Regardless, uh, I'm optimistic about what's upcoming. And I was going to say, like the guys you listed that were doing significant contributions were not the UFAs, aside from one from Hannafin, whether it be yeah, Landholm, etc. So if he goes, will it really alter how the team plays? I mean, I don't think he's really going to miss him much. He's been doing a great two-way stuff like Backlund, but. I can see Pospisil just suddenly explode, or who knows, Coronado. You know? yeah. Even if we get rid of them, I don't think that's a, Well, and, and I mean, that's kind of what the hope is, right, is that you make some trades, you be pragmatic about your team, intellectually honest, whatever term you want to use, and they still play well. Again, the, the example I use is what Nashville did last year. They didn't make the playoffs, but yeah. they stayed competitive right till the end. They were in it longer than right with us and longer than Calgary yeah. was. They eliminated Calgary, but they traded away Eckholm. They traded away what? They traded Niederreiter. They traded away. Um, they, they traded like three or four guys away. They traded a lot of people. Yeah. And they brought in some young uh, players, got younger, and they still stayed competitive, right? So that's yep. that would be the and hope. Doesn't thanks. mean it always happens that way, but that would be the hope. So we'll see. That, uh, we will see. I'll let you go. I can't remember. Uh, we just used a really good vocabulary word right there. But George, I think used consternation, and I thought that was really impressive. So to my fellow American, good job with the words. Uh, yeah, I'll let you go. Good job, Yegor. And uh, hi, Calgary. See you, Ryan. Bye. 403-240-4444 phone number following a Flames 5-4 overtime loss on the road in Vegas. Phone lines are open. Text lines open at 960-960. Let's say hello to Parsons on this Tuesday night. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Yeah, another close one tonight, hey? Yep, they uh, they they. It was a gutsy game for sure. They, you you can't really, um, you can't really fault the effort on a lot of nights lately. No, you can't. And I mean, as much as it is, you know, being a fan that you know, I I personally like I'm a competitive guy, so I get angry when we lose. But 
you know, once you take a couple of breaths, you know, you're like, well, it is a back-to-back and it is the Stanley Cup champions and, you know, so on and so forth. So, I mean, I guess, I guess if anything, we squeezed a point out of it. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's that. But, yeah, it was um, it was a gutsy point, and and mm-hmm. you probably were looking for two on Monday and maybe yeah. two tonight. The very yeah. least, I think you wanted if you could, the, the way that the last two games have went with leads after forty in both, you would have liked to at least get two points out of a possible four as opposed to just the one. But this is where oh, they are. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it would be nice to be able to kind of a pull a San Jose Sharks and, you know, you know, beat some better teams here or there, too, on top of it. Um, I got a question for you in terms of the power play. Uh, just from your memory alone, have you ever, and I'm trying to think about this and I can't remember, have you ever seen a power play coach um, let go during a season? Uh, maybe. Like, I can't recall. Maybe, um, but. Just curious. Like, I I remember Montreal fired an assistant coach in the middle of the year once. I don't know if it was a power play coach. But again, I don't know if this is just on, um, this is just on Savard. Like, it's a personnel thing as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, but but it's so underwhelming and underperforming. We have at least some decent guys, you know, that could put together something that resembles a power play. And it's I just, mean, I, again, I'm not saying it's it's. Mm. I'm not saying that Savard is completely blameless. Of course, there's a lot to go around. But I mean, again, elite power plays, good power plays, usually have elite players on them. Yeah, uh, this yeah. one. This one probably shouldn't be clicking at like uh, they're probably down to around under eleven percent now. They should probably they should definitely be higher than that. But at the same time, I don't think that we're talking about a top ten power play that's underperforming either. Have you given any more thought to my idea about uh, Huberto being on the point? <sighs> I, I because, and, and I'll just reiterate because sure. I mean, why not? I. If they were to do anything different at this point, it would be tough to disagree on. Because we we have to get him involved in the offense somehow, and I just I see that as a possible key going forward, maybe for him. Um, he is a heck of a passer, and uh, he's a smart guy. And we just, in my opinion, again, I'll just say I don't think we have the point men up there. Like I love Rasmus. But um, I just I just don't think he's cut out for that quite yet, or if he's got it. Um, so I think that's something that we should really, you know, give a go because what else do we have to lose at this point, right? Um, but you have to get that power play going because we could be winning more games if we just had at least that. Um, Agreed. They'd be in a much better spot if they had a slightly better power play. And not just that, but it might get the guy going a little bit too, right? So uh, get some stats. Um, as far as the pending UFAs, um, I was listening to your show uh, this afternoon, and you guys were kind of back and forth about, you know, do we do it now? Do we do it near the trade deadline? 
And we and were talking. We were talking specifically about Tanev when having right. that conversation. Oh, okay. Um, and and the reason we were talking about that um, is because he got hurt. We know that he is the type of guy that um, can get hurt because of the style he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we already we, we saw him block a puck with his face, uh, yeah. and, and and now this one. <laughs> so that's why we were having the conversation. Well, I I think you could make um, you could make an argument for all three for doing it right now, in my opinion, because. Um, you know, there's the old saying, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Uh, meaning, you you know, sometimes it's good to deal with what you have now versus losing everything if you wait too long. Yep. And, and I think there's, uh, you know, a conceivable argument to be made for all three right now. A, for Tana because possible injuries. B, for Hannafin, because I think he's actually playing really well. And for Lindholm, his, uh, he's not looking great. And I think if you keep dragging this on stats-wise and everything, yeah. I think he might end up dropping his own value. So this might be a situation where, you know, maybe you expedite the process a little bit. Um, not, But don't be desperate. But, I mean, you know. Um, maybe get a little bit more active. Well, and one uh, of the one, points, one of the points mm-hmm. that um, Frank Saravalli brought up was that, you know, do you try to on? And he was talking about Tanev specifically. Do you try to drag it out to see if you can get a high, you know, a, a late first round pick, or if somebody comes with a second round pick tomorrow for Tanev, do you make that trade? weighing the risk reward potentially of waiting and and it's uh, it's a fascinating debate and a fascinating conversation it is um i'm on i i'm on the side of let's expedite that because you know if if we're going to be losing as a team for the rest of the season here you know i'd rather just see uh new faces and stuff come in so we can kind of get them acclimated for next year um, versus, you know, looking at guys who, or maybe just one guy who may not want to be here. I'm not saying he's checked out, but, and uh, one other guy I think we should be looking to move is Manjapania. You know, I really did love this guy. Um, but let's face it, if we're going to be kind of retooling on the fly here, he's 27 years old right now. He's going to be 28 in April. Um, he's got two more years on that contract, and he's not, He's not playing to that contract. I don't want us to take a loss on it, um, but I, I hope he gets better, and you know, or you know, maybe we we look to move that too because maybe that might not be in line age wise as to where we're moving forward. Right? Yeah. I I mean, I don't think anything should be off the table. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I, I think that. That that's absolutely something that they should could might explore and and I I think your reasoning is very fair on uh, on Manjapani. Problem is the problem is right now like when do you want to do it? Can you get his game going uh, and can you get him back to a slightly better level before you go down that road? That would be the only that would be the only thing yeah. to talk about because. I don't know if you'd be dealing from the biggest position of strength right now. 
Well, I think he would be more of a, like for me, that's more of a trade deadline guy. Could be. Um, or an off-season guy. Yeah. So, oh, uh, yeah, so much to think about, buddy. Um, all right. Yeah, that's all I had for tonight. Um, hope you have a good rest of your night, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. Okay, Pars, appreciate it. Uh, hey, the phone oh, lines it- are open at 403-240-4444. The text line's open at 960-960. Uh, got a few lines open if you want to jump in on this Tuesday night, so call now. Uh, we're going to go back inside the Flames locker room here for a few times in just a few seconds, but first let's say hello to Anand. Uh, Anand, what's going on? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. It was a fun night for me. Uh, we had a uh, student video about Satsai, so I was hosting and I'm seeing the award show, so it was fun. So I'm up to a uh, good mood. Yeah, good uh, Good play by the boys tonight. Uh, definitely a hard-fought game, especially against the defending champions. And tying it up in the very last few moments, uh, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I want to say people who have been unhappy with Sharangovich, I want to say I hope they have changed their minds definitely because Sharangovich has been amazing. I think he's one of the leading goal scorers for us right now, correct? He leads the team in goals. Yeah, okay. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, he's been amazing. Konazari, Nazim Kadri all have shaped up. The only three forwards that I'm concerned that we uh, I know you already talked about, but uh, Manjapane, Dylan Dubey, Jonathan Hubado. I have a question for you regarding those three. Is it possible, like, uh, is there another option uh, to put them in different lines? Or is there any other option externally, let's say, any other um, players from the rank list that they can call up or any other options just to help them uh, get their group back going? Or is it kind of a, a wait-and-see game till, uh, to see when they will start trading these players? Well, they're kind of they're, they're at a spot. You only have 23 on a roster, right? So they're yeah. at the roster limit right now. I think Coronado from the Wranglers. Um, I'd be curious about Klapka from the Wranglers at some point when Jeremy Poirier is healthy, which is still a ways away. Um, he'd be interesting. But they're at 23 on their active roster right now. So they, they, they would have to, I, I do think, starting to make some trades and opening up spots would also have to be a part of it too. All right. And what did you think of uh, Jordan Australia tonight in terms of defense? How was he tonight? I thought he was actually fine for the most part, but made a a really soft play on the 4-3 goal that gave Vegas their first lead. Really soft play, trying to reverse it, put Mackenzie Weger in an awful spot, and then Weger kind of lost the puck, kind of coughed it up, and not not even coughed it up, but kind of lost the puck, turned into a pass from Marcheseau to Stevenson, and then Stevenson to Carlson, and it was 4-3. So, you know, really bad time to make a mistake. Uh, But I thought, for the most part, he was actually fine. Yeah, I just want to talk about Uyghur as well. Yeah, he's been amazing, not only defensively, but even uh, being offensive, scoring for us, so that's amazing. All right, one last question for you. What do you think about uh, goaltending for against Minnesota Wild? 
do we see wolf again do we go back to vladar or is marstrom about to come back what do you know about it uh, i don't know what they're going to do i don't think it'll be my my guess is probably not markstrom although i don't think it's completely out of the question i, I know jacob is getting close but do they fly him out he's not with the team right now so do they fly him out for uh, the game on Thursday in Minnesota, or do they keep him here and, and maybe bring him back for one of the two home games on Saturday and Monday? Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do. If it were me, I'd like to see Wolf again. And that's not a knock on Vladar, but I'd like to see yeah. Wolf again. Yeah, Wolf has been amazing. Yeah, um, except for those uh, breakaway chances. Yeah, I think Wolf has been great. Yeah, let's hope for that. All right, thanks, Patty. Have a good night and talk to you on Thursday. Okay, thank you, pal. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go uh, back inside the Flames locker room. By the way, uh, I'll say this right now. Last call for phone calls. Got a few lines open, so if you want to jump in, now's the time to do so at 403-240-4444. So call now. Last call for phone calls on a Tuesday night following a 5-4 overtime loss in Vegas. But uh, let's go back inside the Flames locker room, get some more post-game reaction. We've heard from Blake Coleman and we've also heard from head coach Ryan Huska. Let's hear from tonight's hardest working flame, Yegor Sharangovich. Couple of goals. He now leads the team with nine goals on the season. Here's Yegor post game in Vegas. It's a good game, you know. It's really hard to play, uh, like hard team we played against, and we should better play it than PK. Today. You know, we give two goals in PK, and like it's a good game. Yeah. What about you know the fight there at the end to, to find that goal? What did you see on, on the play to, to tie it? Uh, yeah, we tried you know to score in the last like one and a half minute, and you know we make a zone like often zone, and Nas just passes it to Henny, and Henny just shoot you know to the net and just tipped it. Right away. Did you know it was it was a good goal? I mean, it was called right away. Uh, did you have a good feeling? Actually, like 50-50. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, because my stick is high and it's good. It's the goal, like for us. All that matters. Um, you know, when you look at the last two games, uh, you know, we talk a lot about um, you know falling short, but just what about managing the disappointment of you know the result versus how you guys played and the effort you put in. Yeah, it's actually like you know similar two games because like in Colorado we after the second period we have like five three and we lost this game, and in Vegas same like three two and like good we took you know like point today and you know maybe we lost some concentration you know like for like couple of minutes and they took at this moment to score. Yeah, you feel. Still some positives, though, to take away. I mean, obviously, got a, another big one here to finish off the road trip, but just to keep on building. Yeah, it's super good if we win today. It's back, back to back. Yeah, it's not easy, you know, two games, but we took one point. It's, it's okay, but it's not, like, not good. That is Yegor Sharangovich post game. Two goals for him on the road in Vegas in this 5 4 overtime loss. And uh, we move from that to tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by Heart Fit Clinic. And uh, tonight's Player with Heart, I'm going to go with Nazim Kadri on this one tonight. I thought another outstanding night for number 91. Kadri was great tonight with nine shot attempts to lead the team, four shots on goal to lead the team. He had three scoring chances and two at high danger. 
thought it was another really, really solid night for Nazem Kadri, and he drove Calgary's best line all night. Kadri's Zeri Pospisil, the only line that was consistently strong from start to finish. They were dominant. They kind of carried the Flames on their back at 5-on-5 five five tonight, so Nazem Kadri continues to roll for Calgary, and he is tonight's player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. Let's hear from Nazem Kadri right now post-game in Vegas. Uh, definitely. I mean, um, I think, you know, for the most part, pretty pretty good uh, road game. Uh, obviously, a little bit unfortunate, but, you know, boys fought hard. Um, gave everything we had and, and under tough circumstances, obviously a back-to-back and uh, a great team. So, um, for the most part, pretty proud. Yeah, what did you manage or make of the way that you guys managed this game throughout? I mean, I had a couple of leads, obviously, and you knew you were going to be in a fight here tonight. Of course. I mean, we, we kind of knew one or two goals wasn't going wasn't gonna to win this thing, so we uh, just had to stay persistent and um, obviously took 65 minutes for, for a team to win tonight, but uh, you know, good, good hard-fought game. What about uh, you know they get that goal late? Kind mm-hmm. of you know felt like maybe I'm sure you know in some ways one night ago, but uh, yeah. to stay with it and find that equalizer, what does that say about your group? Yeah, that's uh, you know you said it speaks volumes for sure. Just when you thought you know the game was going to slip away from us on the road, uh, you know in a pretty uh, rowdy building like this, to, for for them to score in the final, you know three four minutes whatever it was. Uh, you know, we, we got back to work, had some great opportunities after that, and ended up tying the game. You guys get some big contributions to your lineup, but uh, Yegor comes up with two big goals here tonight. Mm-hmm. What can you say about what he's given your group offensively here as of late? Yeah, he's been great. Uh, you know, doing the right thing, uh, you know, paying attention to details. I think that's uh, the thing with Sharky. You know, he, he can be most effective when he's, uh, you know, uh, has his focus out there. And lately, he definitely seems to have that. And he's got a great skill set and obviously a fantastic shot. So he's got to uh, keep utilizing that. That is Nazem Kadri, who had another really solid game tonight. Scores the goal and uh, picks up an assist as well. So two more points for Nazem. He's up to 22 points to lead the team in scoring. 22 in 29. And boy, has he been rolling since the beginning of November. Nazem Kadri postgame as we continue along tonight. On your Flames Talk postgame, 5-4 overtime loss for Calgary in Vegas. Uh, your Flames Talk postgame show is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's look ahead. It's uh, time for Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And uh, next up for the Flames is Thursday night in Minnesota. That is a 6 o'clock face-off on Sportsnet West, and uh, that is game three of this three-game road trip. The Flames fell 5-2 to the Wild just over a week ago in their first game against them. Season was not a good game for the Flames, so they're going to want to be much better against the Wild this time around. Uh, a team they've actually played pretty well over the last few years. That uh, loss last Tuesday was their first regulation loss against the Wild in six games as Calgary's 4-1-1 in their last seven, uh, last six rather, head-to-head matchups with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, so that is uh, next up for the Flames. Minnesota on Thursday night, and the Flames are back at home for two straight. Saturday against Tampa Bay at 8 o'clock in then Monday versus Florida 
at 7.30. Uh, next up, though, Minnesota Wild on Thursday night. That's Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time check-in with defenseman Mackenzie Weger. He started the scoring tonight with his seventh of the year. Here's uh, Mackenzie Weger post-game in Vegas. Yeah, exactly like you said, back and forth. Uh, you know, we score one, they score one. Kind of went like that all night, but uh, the compete and the effort we got tonight for sure. Uh, you know, obviously they get another late one, you know, kind of similar to last night, but uh, how did you guys rally? How did you kind of find uh, find a little life there at the end? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, uh, you know, hang your head, and uh, especially the last five minutes, you know, when they scored that, uh, that goal to get into the lead. But, um, you know, the personnel that they had on the last minute, uh, did the job and uh, tied it up. We got a point, you know, tough building coming on a back-to-back. When you look at the last two nights and, you know, obviously the fight that you guys put out, uh, you know, is it hard to kind of stay, you know, not disappointed with, you know, the result, whereas you look maybe more at the effort? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that we could have got four points out of four points these last two games. But, um, you know, we got to move on. we got to take the positives from this game for sure. With, uh, with that in mind, uh, how is the, the emotional level? I mean, it's fresh, I know, but uh, you know, just try to stay positive and, and, and look ahead to the next one on this trip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you got to put this one behind you again and move on to the next game, another big game against Minnesota. Um, you know, we can salvage a 500 road trip if we beat them, but, um, you know, obviously it stings a bit just because, you know, the effort and the compete that we put in against a good team on a back-to-back and a tough building, you thought you, you could have got the two points, but, you know, Got to be better for next game, myself included. You know, I got to be a lot better, but, um, you know, get another big game in Minnesota. There you go. Mackenzie Weger post game in Vegas tonight. Let's get uh, back to the text line as we jump in at 960-960. Start from Greg in Edmonton, who says, Pat, at the very least, these games have been entertaining. If the coaching staff could even get uh, just league average power play production, they'd be in a much better spot. I think I already read that text, but uh, thanks anyway from Greg in Edmonton. Um this says, you know the excitement of Wolf's play. Sharon Govich is looking real good. Zeri looks like the real deal. And then the good effort and then the d- disappointment of Huberdo, Lindholm, Manjapani, Hannafin, and Dubé. Light the fire and whoever wants to stay, stay, move out the rest. The only one that I'm, I'm not that I don't know if I would put in the disappointing category would be Hannafin. Um, I think he's actually having a pretty decent year, all things considered. Um he didn't have any points. He had an assist tonight, um, so he's up to 15 points in 29 games. I, I actually have been okay with Hannafin. Yeah, Dubé, Manjapani, Lindholm, Huberdo. Yeah, there's been some disappointments there for sure. Uh, this from Ethan in High River says, are you allowed to play a power play four-on-four? Let's do that. Good news is things happen in threes. Hopefully they won't blow another lead next game. Trade every RFA or UFA but Hannafin. That comes from Ethan in High River. Uh, Travis in Edmonton says, Pat, how much money did Lindholm cost himself this year? If the rumored ask was eight times nine million, he'll be lucky to to get eight by seven on the open market. Well, on the open market, you can't even get the eight. So a lot. Like, say that it was a $7 million. Say that seven is what he does get on the open market, just for sake of this argument, and it comes on another team. Well, that would be the difference of $72 million and $49 million because, and I can do that math, uh, nine over eight is 72. 
you take the drop in AAV and the fact that you can't get eight years as a UFA signing with another team, and that's another $9 million that you take off the board too. That's, uh, yeah, $72 million, which is kind of the rumored ballpark of what was on the table for the Flames and Lindholm. And then uh, if, if it were to be a $7 million conversation and he signed for seven years in unrestricted free agency, well, that'd be $49 million. So potential that he's cost himself quite a bit. Uh, this reads, was very impressed with the Flames' effort. There's optimism. Here's my assessment. On the positive side, team's playing faster. Kadri's game has been stellar. The kids have energized the team and are making a difference. They have a strong penalty kill. I'm excited about Wolf's future. They're scoring first the past few games, then areas of improvement. They've got to hold on to leads, improve their power play. Huberto, Mangiapane, and Dubé have to play to their potential, and Tanev returns soon. Pat, what's on your wish list? Um... For me, wish list would be that they're able to maximize their pending unrestricted free agents. And that doesn't just mean, that's not just, oh, Steinberg's talking about trading the UFAs. It's not even just that. Maximize the pending UFAs, which is either signing one of them to a fair deal, good deal, that that works on both sides, that isn't a gross overpay, or it means getting a good return in a trade. That would also be on my wish list. Um, this says from Tim, seeing what the kids have done for Kadri, it'd be nice to see uh, what some kids could do with Huberdo. Wolf's around 900. He has to get the start against the Wild. If, if it were me, I'd be going right back to Dustin Wolf against Minnesota as well. I don't know what the Flames are going to do. We'll find out on Thursday. Uh, by the way, he made 35 on 40, which uh, has the save percentage down to 893 in this game tonight. Um, what else we got here? This reads, I've been a fan of Sharon Govich. He has speed, great, great hands, and a pretty good shot with solid hockey IQ. The conundrum on the ice continues to be the play of Huberdo. Tonight in the second, he makes a pass that's so poor, it almost looks like he intentionally passed it to the Knights player, and it goes the other way, and a little time later, with pressure, they score. It's beginning to look like the worst signing in Flames history, Literally, longtime fan here since 86. That's from Joe in BC. P.S. He says, Wolf was solid. This from Sam. Pat, great effort from the boys, considering the travel, a rookie goalie, and being short their best defense, defensive defenseman. Sharon Govich has really been finding his stride, and I believe long-term he can be a consistent 20-25 to 25 goal guy. Wolf was solid. I'd run back with him against the Wild. Also, any idea what the power play chances versus goals have been for the Flames since the beginning of November? Going gray, thinking of a solution to get them rolling again. I don't have those numbers, Sam, but um, I think they would be really poor <laughs> uh, since the beginning of November. I could go look it up, but that'd be bad radio. But uh, very poor is what I would say, Sam. Uh, this says, what a funny game, Pat. Feel like the Flames should go into games specifically looking to be down going into the third because whoever's leading seems to end up losing the game. Even though the Flames lost back-to-back, I can at the very least appreciate how entertaining these games were. Putting into consideration the opponent, the Flames are really giving quality teams a run for their money, which is commendable. Good to see both Lindholm and Hannafin pick up some points tonight. Got to make sure their trade value as high as possible when the the trade deadline rolls by. 
This from Brad in Bridgeland, who says, Strong effort tonight on a very tough back-to-back. Yes, the Flames need to figure out how to close games out when they have a lead going into the third, but considering the circumstances, I think they'll take that point. It was another strong game from the Kadri-Zeri line. Something I noticed about Zeri is how much poise he has, especially against a strong team like Vegas. He'll consistently give himself an extra second or two with the puck to make a smart play, something I think Huberto could do instead of trying to thread a pass through three players. Anyways, entertainment game, solid game by Wolf as well. Really hoping he gets another game before Markstrom comes back. A couple things I agree with there from Brad's text. I agree on seeing Wolf again. I think that'd be good. And I, I really agree on Zeri. There were multiple times tonight when he bought himself another second. Quick pivot, uh, quick turn away from a defender, just even a slight shield of the puck bought himself another second or so, and then allowed him to make a really, really smart play and or allowed him to make a much better play than forcing it. And that I, I think poise is a really good word that Brad uses when talking about Zeri, who continues to be one of the, if not the, most positive story of the season. This from Alex. Pat, first off, I can't fault the effort tonight. Same with yesterday, but this power play is an absolute buzzkill. It just hands over momentum to the other team. Even if the power play was only humming at 15 or 16%, this team would probably have an additional 4 to 6 points. You can't always score, and I understand that, but you've got to at least generate some momentum. Is it that difficult to make in-game adjustments if things aren't working? Switch Hannafin with Uyghur or put Zeri on the top unit. What is the reluctance at this point? Try whatever you can. On a side note, I think they've found something with Yegor. He's been a stud. Manjapani needs to sit a game, and it's time to send a message to Lindholm by moving him to be the number 4C. I don't see much of a downgrade if you bump someone else there at this point. The only thing that I'd say about that is, I mean, if you can take a look at the usage tonight, I'm just going to go take a look at Calgary's forward lines tonight uh, and how it all played out. But uh, tonight, the Kadri line was the number one line. The Backland line was the number two line. And at five on five, the Lindholm line was the number three line. Like The Kadri line played 10 minutes and 52 seconds together at five on five tonight, which was more than a minute more than the Lindholm play- line played. And the Backland line played almost a minute more than the uh, Lindholm line played as well. So... The Lindholm line was kind of used like the number three line in this game tonight, Alex. Uh, What else we got here? Um, This says, uh, oh, and our last text tonight is, uh, Pat, I remember I think it was last season. The Flames sent out a survey to fill out, and I took the time to do it. And one of the questions was, would you support a rebuild? Buy tickets, merchandise, etc. I'm genuinely curious. Is asking fans' opinion on whether or not they would support a rebuild done by every team or not? I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, I do know that a few years ago, the New York Rangers sent out a letter talking about going in a slightly different direction, right? So I think it's addressed by a lot of teams if that's going to be the case. Whether or not they send it out in survey form, I don't know, but I think a lot of teams would address it in some form or another. Okay. Great stuff on the text line tonight at 960-960. Appreciate it. Two more calls to get to before we wrap things up on our Flames Talk post-game show tonight, starting with Jerry. What's going on, Jerry? Hello, Pat. What's up? It's been about eight years. Well, welcome back then. (laughs) Well, I'm always here, but uh, I really enjoy listening. But I have a couple of comments, so... First of all, I get a kick out of the, I think it's just the one caller that uh, mentioned uh, maybe a forward 
should move back onto defense? Uh, basically, it was a caller wondering um, or, or, or suggesting that Jonathan Huberdeau should have played defense last night when they were down to five defensemen, which I... Yeah, I think he hoping. called in the, uh, the last two nights, but it has happened, and I'm going to give you a trivia question. Which NHL star went from forward to defense? Uh, that would be Brent Burns. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought I would have you there. Yeah. Oh, let's go way back. <laughs> no, you're too young. Uh, another one happened. Uh, I'm an old guy. I'm 65. Uh, Red Kelly. Do you okay. even know who that is? I do. All I'm saying yeah. is that I, I don't – like Brent Burns – had played both positions his entire career. Dustin Bufflin was the same way. He could play defense or forward, but those guys are very few and far between. Um, Jonathan Huberdeau has has not played defense before, which is why I was um, pushing back on that idea. It was Brad who the caller was, is why I, I didn't necessarily uh, agree with that, uh, no, with that no, way of thinking. No, of course. And uh, I thought it was funny. But I wanted to see if you knew, and I'm surprised you did. I'm not surprised you knew that uh, Brent Burns uh, was a forward and uh, back to defense. So, um, secondly, I watched the Calgary Flames for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I watched hockey for entertainment because I know this team is not going anywhere. So I enjoy, I don't get upset about the games because it's entertainment for me. Well, and to that point, Jerry, they've actually been playing some pretty entertaining hockey over the last little bit. Totally. And uh, we never get blown out. We're always in the games. But, come on, can you see us competing against Colorado, Vegas, Tampa Bay, uh, all these really Boston? Like, we're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. (laughs) Well, and and that's kind of why, Jerry, I'm at where I'm at, where I believe that trading away the unrestricted free agents pending UFAs just makes all the sense in the world for them. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Now, I'm super, super disappointed in Dylan Dubé. Yeah, it's been a tough year for him. Like, there was so much promise there. Well, and he was coming off a 45-point season last year, too. Yeah, I I, I don't get it, actually. He plays a pretty tough, physical, hardworking game, but... I think he's maybe at a point where that's what he's going to be and too inconsistent. Well, and I mean, this year has just been a nightmare for him. Like, he's a little snake bit on top of the fact that um, 
there there just hasn't been he he has not been anywhere near as you talk about the word consistent he hasn't been anywhere near as impactful uh, or around it um, it just it's it's been a real drop for Dylan Dubé this year and and you know I, I there, there was some there was some real promise for him coming into this season back-to-back 18 goal years he had a 45 point season last year and, and I thought that you know that that 45 point season was another building block for him and uh, obviously it, it just hasn't gone that way yeah um he seems to have stalled and now he's on the fourth line mm-hmm. uh, another player that I think we can get rid of is Mangiapani I know he's got some offensive talent he is so easy to knock off the puck which has never really been the case before. He, he's that's been one of his calling cards is how tenacious he is, how difficult he is to knock off the puck. And and now, you're right. It has kind of been a situation where he, some of the things that have been his calling card over the last number of years, we're, we're not seeing that anywhere near as much as we need to or the flames need to this season yeah again again it's all about consistency but the guy is so small he is just so easy to knock down and again i just have have never felt like that's been the case prior to this season that's all yeah so uh i do believe we could get rid of dubé I do believe we could get rid of uh, Mangiapani. But the other problem I have, Pat, is who wants to play in Calgary? Do people want to play in Calgary with the taxes, the weather, um, the lack of a nice building? Um, I just, I'm not very positive about the team other than the fact I love the entertainment. Like tonight, I had to kick the wife off the TV because I had to watch the Oilers, Connor, Connor show. Mm-hmm. Plus, I had to see how the Flames were doing. So, uh, back and forth there. But, yeah, I'm uh, not super hopeful for success uh, in the near future. Well, the only thing I'll say, Jerry, and I I really appreciate the call tonight, man. You have yourself a great night. Um, I I will say a a few things. First of all, from a taxes standpoint, you know, Calgary and and Alberta's kind of, I mean, there's there's spots in the U.S. where taxes are quite significant, whether it's California or New York State. I mean, there there are definitely spots in the U.S. where taxes and uh, are, are comparable to what taxes would be here. Uh, that being said, California and New York compared to Alberta for a lot of people, there's there's going to be, especially for millionaires, there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a lean towards New York City and Manhattan um, or Los Angeles and SoCal. Um, about the arena, there is a new arena coming, and, and that – I think will help draw some people to uh, to the Flames, or at the very least, can be new arenas do draw, 
And so that is something positive moving forward here. Uh, I mean, it draw, drew in Edmonton, and that new arena was a really big step forward for the Oilers. So uh, w- we hope that it could be the similar thing here in Calgary as well. Our final call tonight goes to Bryce. What's up, Bryce? Um, I'm doing okay. And um, just just thought of the game at least – they're putting an effort in. Like, I'm glad to see, like even yesterday, as bad as as bad as tough as both these games were, at least they put they put an effort in, and 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 um, like you said, with um, uh, Connor's areas, he's he's sure got the skills. Well, his his IQ is good too. Yep, he's poised. He's skilled. He's Confident enough to confident enough to use that skill. There, there's a lot to like with Zeri's game here. Yeah, I've seen him when he was out here too. It's like I've seen most of the. It's just exciting to see these these guys are now getting up there and showing what they've been doing down here. Yeah, <laughs> down in, and I've seen it and and um and Wolf is like he's still amazing even though that, that really he learned a lot actually. I think he's still he's he's confident still, even though it's like nothing phased him like through it. That's just the type of dude he is. I, I don't think much phases that guy at all, Bryce. Mm-hmm. He's he's amazing. Like because just his confidence level, he's just he's totally. I think he's prepared. Like he's got his mental IQ even after even at last goal. That's he lit. Didn't have phase them though. Yep. Like. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And also to, to um, just like they're all talking about you know the power play again, right? Um, it's it's a tough one. Like I said, it's it's probably a mixture of coach and and the and the players. What's out there? It's like it's you know a little weird, right? But and and you try your best, but you. It's just for what the makeup of the team is, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, they they don't mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of elite players. Um, no, no, mm-hmm. and that that kind of makes it difficult at times to get certain results. Yeah, and I hate to talk about officiating, but I will. This this I've seen like like don't like when like even tonight, you know, a couple of those. Like they just fell down, just didn't even touch them really. Like there was a couple. I yeah, guess, I mean I, the maybe the, the Hannafin one. one, the hand like both yeah. Bajapani's were straight up penalties. Um, yeah, but the the Hannafin, the Hannafin one, yeah. one seemed like a phantom call, and maybe the Uyghur one was was a little boring. Yeah, a little. The, the, both Bajapani penalties were penalties though. Yeah, no, I meant Uyghur one. Yeah, that him and and Hannafin one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Those ones are, I don't know, but I ain't like, because you can pick it out. Sometimes people say it's like, it doesn't affect the game. It does. Like, well, it's not that it doesn't, ways, it's not that it doesn't affect the game. It's just, you know, officiating mm-hmm. is what officiating is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that the Flames are um, getting singled out or uh, that the Flames, uh, I mean, Part of 
part of getting calls is mm. playing well. Tonight, I thought mm. there were a couple of not so – I thought the specifically mm. the Hannafin one was yeah. a, a little phantom, but mm. I, I don't know. I mean mm. – Yeah, it's, it's – I don't know. It's like judgmental and stuff, but and people – there's a theory out there ever since Weidman did that. Yeah, uh, Bryce, come on. Like that's – Bryce, that's – that's like I know, a decade I see, ago. I know, I know. You would think that, but I, I, I'm beyond that now. But I was just, but that was out there, and it's still kind of going though. But, but that that's beyond the point. But anyway, um, just thought. To did you hear? There was that one. On, there was a, on waivers. You know, uh, Will Butcher. Did he get sent down? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because he was he was on waivers and Pittsburgh had him, and they, I guess. I thought uh, I, I thought uh, just um, Jacob Verano was on uh, yeah. was on waivers today, so well, um, I'm hmm. not sure if uh, I know whoever I know whoever was on waivers the day before cleared. Yeah. I just don't remember who oh, it okay. was. Yeah. So, and Verona's on waivers until noon on Wednesday. I appreciate the call tonight, Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to hear you from too. you as always, bud. Yeah. Always nice to hear from you. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye. That will uh, wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Following a 5-4 Flames overtime loss on the road in Vegas. It's uh, time for our final summary as we start to move towards the uh, end of our Flames Talk postgame show this evening. Back and forth game tonight where the Flames held a lead for most of it, which is kind of... um, uh, uh, a little bit of a departure from the normal script. Here's how tonight went. Flames opened the scoring at 627 of the first period on a Mackenzie Weger goal, his seventh of the year. Weger from Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman at 627, answered by Chandler Stevenson of the Golden Knights on the power play. Stevenson's fifth from Jonathan Marcheseau and Mark Stone at 1333 to make it 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. Early in the second, Nazem Kadri makes it 2-1 Calgary on his eighth of the year. Kadri from Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil at 237 answered by Ivan Barbashev of the Golden Knights. Barbashev picks up his sixth of the year from Mark Stone at 520. But late in the second, Yegor Sharangovich puts the Flames back up. Uh, his eighth of the year makes it 3-2. Uh, Elias Lindholm the only assist at 1758. It was 3-2 Flames after 40 minutes of play. Third period, Vegas draws even again. Mark Stone scores to make it 3-3. His ninth from William Carlson and Marcia So at the six-minute mark. That was a power play goal. Then late in the third period, Vegas takes their first lead of the game. Less than four minutes to go. Carlson scores to make it 4-3. His 13th from Stevenson and Marcia, so at 16-14. 4-3 Vegas into the final minute of play. Flames pull Dustin Wolf. Six on five they go. Shot from the point by Noah Hannafin. Tipped by Sharon Govich and past Logan Thompson to tie the game 5-5. Sharon Govich picks up his second of the night and ninth of the year. He is now the team leader in goals. Sharon Govich from Hannafin and Kadri at the 19-minute mark to make it 5-5. Off to overtime we go, and 71 seconds into overtime. Stone wins it for the Golden Knights with his 10th of the year and second of the night. Stone from Jack Eichel and Alex Petrangelo at the 111 mark of overtime gets us to our 5-4 overtime final. Final shots, 40-31 in favor of Vegas. 
Vegas Flames go 0 for 2 on the power play. Golden Knights 2 for 4 with the man advantage. Your three stars in the building were all Golden Knights. Uh, number three, Chandler Stevenson. Number two, William Carlson. And your number one star with two goals and four points was Mark Stone. With the overtime loss, Flames fall to 11, 14, and 4. They're back in action Thursday on the road in Minnesota, while Vegas improves to 20, 5, and 5. They're back in action Friday at home to Buffalo. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for Calgary, Thursday night to wrap up this three-game road trip. It's the Flames and the Minnesota Wild for a 6 o'clock face-off, which means means we'll be on the air at 5 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Final score from T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Flames fall 5-4 in overtime to the Vegas Golden Knights. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.